This is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, July 19th. And that ball's crushed into right field. That ball might get out of here. Get up. Get up, and it's gone. So Julian with his eighth home run of the year. And that is the second of the ball game. And now, just like that, Twins are leading 6-3. to three. And the 1-1 pitch, a fly ball left field deep. This will send Pollock back at the track, at the wall, jumps up, and that's gone. Alex Kirilov goes opposite field, a two-run homer to left. And with one swing of the bat, the Twins are back in front. It is 4-3 in Seattle. Yeah, how about those Twins and those young Twins especially? They mash yesterday. You heard the first call there from Eddie Julian. He finished the game with about four hits. And by the way, everybody talks about the Twins and batting average. Uh, Ed Julian has a batting average of over 300. And by the way, not just that, he has an OPS, an on-base plus slugging percentage of 900-something, which is really, really good because there's not a lot of other Twins that have it past 750. So he's the Twins' best hitter right now. Ed Julian uh, is really, really good, and we'll get to hit more on him in a second. And Alex Kirilov, the wrist has kind of impacted his power a little bit. You know, he's been able to hit for contact a little bit better this year. He's drawn more walks, but Alex Kirilov was kind of touted as this big-time hitting prospect that could hit 25 homer power while also hitting about at a 280 clip uh, batting average-wise, but uh, it hadn't quite materialized because of a wrist injury. And the wrist, everybody's wondering, is it healthy? Is it healthy? You know, is it allowing him to swing for much power? And he's had, after a four-day All-Star break, he's had an opportunity now uh, to hit for power. He had a big home run against Oakland on Sunday and then a big home run that you just heard last night to give the Twins a 5-4 lead at the time. They wouldn't look back, uh, or 5-3, to 4-3 to lead, excuse me, and they would go on to win. 10-3 in Seattle last night. Also joining in on the fun is Carlos Correa and Kyle Farmer. They also hit home runs in the win, but Alex Kirilov finished just a double shy of the cycle. So, man, would have been cool if you would have got that last night, but Alex Kirilov's starting to hit well. He's a big Kirilov guy. If he works out, uh, the Twins are going to be in good shape. And this is something we've kind of seen the offense. The first three games of the uh, second half of the season were against Oakland. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt uh, winning those three games. And the Twins hitting was able to hit, but also at the same time it's against Oakland pitching. And, well, the pitching staff hadn't looked really good for the Twins uh, really playing that bad of an Oakland lineup. They go to Seattle yesterday and they club seven runs off of them. And then Bailey Ober gives up three runs in the first inning, and you think, oh, no, here we go again. The Twins pitching is falling off a cliff as soon as the offense starts to produce. And then Bailey Ober settled down and was able to pitch six strong innings for the Twins and give them a win. And I, I put this out on social media last night. I think it's true. It's amazing what a difference uh, some run support gives a pitching staff and gives a pitcher's outlook of a day. If the Twins only score two runs, everybody goes, oh, Bailey Ober in the first inning, he choked it away. 
and the Twins couldn't recover. Instead, it's, yeah, Bailey Ober had a hiccup in the first inning, but the Twins gave him some runs, so he was able to keep it close, and he was able to battle through, eat some innings, and Twins didn't really have to use any high-leverage guys yesterday. They used Balazovic, they used Cole Sands, they used Emilio Pagan, so the Twins still have Duran, Jax, and some of their more high-leverage guys available for the next two games of the series. Uh, it's just the Twins are in a good spot, and it's amazing what run support can do because the Twins all the time have lost games like 4-3, to three, and everybody will look at, oh my gosh, this bullpen guy or this starter gave up a two-run home run, and how could they have done that? But if the offense scores four, five, maybe even six runs a game, uh, you're all of a sudden the margin for error for the pitching staff isn't as noticeable, and you can let the pitchers breathe a little bit. Uh, so good on the Twins. They got double-digit runs last night. So if it's the first half Twins, they'll score one run for the rest of the series. But Twins bats have been hitting well over the last week. And not just that they've gotten results, that they've got 10 runs, and they got four home runs in the game yesterday. And not only that, they got like 13 hits. So it wasn't just 10 runs. It, it wasn't you know, six runs off of five hits and one and four of them were home runs. It was a good effort by the Twins. And even in the loss yesterday, it gets overshadowed because the Twins were bad with runners in scoring position, but the Twins got runners on base on Monday night. And the Twins did the same thing on Tuesday night, except they actually were able to get some big-time hits with runners in scoring position. It wasn't just home runs. Kirilov had a triple. Kepler had a double. Willie Castro had some big-time RBIs. So uh, really an all-around offensive effort. And I I thought these last two games in Seattle, the Twins have taken some really, really good at-bats. What does a good at-bat mean? It doesn't just mean you get on base. It means that you made the pitcher work a little bit. Maybe you were down in the hole 0-2, but you were able to fight off a couple pitches, get it to 2-2, and no matter what happens, even if you get out, you can at least say that you had to make the pitcher throw an extra five or so pitches, and over the course of a ball game, that really adds up. The Twins have chased starters for Seattle out early in both games, and the Twins did a better job last night of finishing the job and officially getting that starter out early, unlike they did against Gilbert on Monday night. But overall, a uh, good game by the Twins, and I think the most exciting thing out of this offense, you know, again, they're taking good at-bats, but where are those good at-bats coming from? Well, a lot of the lineup. But the most encouraging thing, and this was even true in the first half, hasn't been the veteran hitters. You know, Correa, Farmer, Buxton, Gallo, Kepler, these guys have had their moments this year, but they haven't consistently been able to put it together. But you know who has for most of the season? Alex Kirilov and Edward Julian. And here's what manager Rocco Baldelli had to say about his two youngsters. Here's what Rocco Baldelli had to say about his two youngsters. Those are big league at bats and um, big league top of the lineup type of bats. And when you have multiple guys coming uh, coming up, whoever they are, normally you wouldn't think of two, a spot like that for two young players, but they're they're filling those those holes really well. Julian's been, I mean, he's had he's he's in a really great run right now, and he's been in a great run since the day he signed professionally, and he's he's doing it at the major league level now. And AK driving those balls the other way, the way he is right now, that's that's big time stuff. Yeah, it's a good effort for the Twins' young hitters and Julian and Kirilov. Uh, by the way, uh, let's talk about the Twins because uh, for just one more thing, because Jorge Polanco is going to be back soon. I believe he's starting a rehab assignment in St. Paul, uh, or is in the middle of a rehab assignment in St. Paul, and he's going to 
join the team in the next week or so, and a matter of days even. So that begs the question, Julian has been playing a lot of second base. So where does Julian go when Polanco comes back? Because Polanco theoretically would take second base. And there's no way that the Twins can send Ed Julian down. There was no way last week, but now there's definitely no way after the good series he's had so far in Seattle. You can't send Ed Julian back down to AAA. So what do you do? Because Julian is, I mean, he's not a great defender at second base. His glove is, I mean, you know, people have ragged before about Luis Arise not being a particularly uh, mobile fielder, about kind of having limitations in the field. Ed Julian is, as a fielder, probably worse, definitely worse than Luis Arise. But uh, with the Twins, they got to figure out what to do because second base is an easy position to stash somebody. I mean, first base is probably better because Julian has some experience at first base in the minors, but again, you have Alex Kirilov right there or Joey Gallo or whatever. And so first base, I mean, Julian can squeeze in first base a time or two, you know, maybe to give Kirilov an off day. Maybe if one of the other outfielders needs an off day and Kirilov goes to the outfield, whatever. Uh, The other thing that's kind of been thrown out there is the Twins right now without Royce Lewis being in the lineup, still out with the, uh, you know, with uh, with his rib injury, or not rib injury, but oblique injury. And maybe the Twins could stash Polanco at third base. The arm is good enough. Uh, it's just not good enough to be a major league shortstop. Could Polanco play third base? Do you want to necessarily toy with Jorge Polanco. At this point, if you're telling me you'd rather toy with Jorge Polanco or toy with Ed Julian, I'd say just let Ed Julian be and let's move Polanco over to third base because Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano have kind of been rotating in there. So is Willie Castro. But Jorge Polanco is a better hitter than all three of those guys uh, and needs to be in the lineup consistently. So Jorge Polanco... Again, what do the Twins do with him is going to be a question. Now, sometimes these things work themselves out. Maybe somebody struggles and deserves a demotion. Maybe uh, somebody gets hurt, and then you just kind of figure it out because you have to reshuffle everybody anyways. Uh, Either way, uh, it's been an interesting last couple days for the Twins, and they've put themselves in a good position right now. So there's a couple more things I want to talk about, and in the nature of how the morning sports desk has been the last couple weeks, last week and a half, maybe. Uh, It's been very football-centric once we've gotten done talking about the Twins. And the first thing for the Vikings is that they are unveiling their Vikings Classic, but basically their throwback uniform. And let me tell you, they are perfect. Go look at social media and go find those pictures. It's great. They're paying homage to the uniforms of the 60s and 70s. They got the stripes on the shoulder pads, the classic block letters. Uh, They got a little bit of the gold trim around the numbers. It doesn't look necessarily like the throwback uniforms they used to wear about 15 years ago uh, because those were just purple and white. But now there's a little bit of gold trimming around everything, and the Vikings have the throwback helmets. It's a matte. Uh, finish. It's not glossy on the helmets, but it's got the old school horn logo. It's got the gray face masks. And there's a lot of people online who think that that should just be the Vikings uniform full time. Now, I like the new Vikings uniforms, but it's hard to argue because they're just so clean. They look so good. The Vikings are going to wear them week one against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is also going to wear their creamsicle uniforms from the 70s at some point in the season, but not uh, 
not during the Vikings game, which I think would be a travesty. I want the creamsicle Bucks uniforms and the old school Vikings uniforms. Come on. It just, it looks so sweet. By the way, Vikings training camp, uh, rookies report this Sunday. So we're not too far away from football season, but after seeing things like that, I'm ready. I'm ready for football season to get here. And by the way, uh, quarterback is also getting me ready for football season because Kirk Cousins, uh, again, has been the star of the show. I mean, I'm biased because I'm a Vikings fan, but he's really kind of been the more interesting person to follow because with Marcus Mariota and in episode five, they talked with him. He was the quarterback of the Falcons. He got benched halfway through the season, so there's really not too much you can go over with him at that point. Like Everybody kind of knew that. There wasn't really... There's some unique things. He seems like a good dude, but you know, you know he's going to get benched, and they kind of stop focusing on him after that point. Mar- uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, he's a little more interesting because of how good he is and how interesting his life is. But at the same time, he comes off as a guy who's already won a Super Bowl. He's already the best quarterback in the league. Like, there's no kind of earning it there. It's no first-time deal. He's already been winning. So it's not as interesting. Kirk Cousins is a guy who's intriguing. He's goofy. He's weird. uh, He's charming. Like, there's there's a few things in there that just kind of shed a new light and kind of get to go inside his head and inside his life. And that one, I think he has the most to gain from doing this quarterback series. And I thought in episode five, kind of my takeaway from it with Kirk Cousins is, uh, again, the guy is a tough one, uh, but how much kind of things, I'm trying to find the right word because this episode is called Roller Coaster and it's about kind of how does he process things in game and how does things work and what's his relationship like with Kevin O'Connell and they talk about doing the, you know, the meetings before, like during the week, something that Mike Zimmer only did his last year in Minnesota is doing daily meetings with the quarterback and what did those meetings with O'Connell look like? I thought it was really cool and again, how they break things down in-game. There's a play in the Thanksgiving game against the Patriots, the Vikings game-winning touchdown to Thielen in the end zone, where Kirk Cousins is, like, hurrying everybody up to the line. And, like, he looks panicked. He's like, come on, come on, we got to go. And you think, like, oh, great, like, he's thinking too fast. And he said, no, actually, he's like, I knew that we had the right cut, like, this play that we had was perfect. And he's like, I wanted to hurry up and get to the line before the Patriots noticed and called the timeout or changed their coverage or something like that. And it led to a touchdown. Again, it's a really great series. It just got confirmed for season two, which is exciting. Uh, so we'll have to talk about that in the next uh, coming days on the morning sports desk. But again, quarterback's a great series. Go watch it on Netflix if you can. This has been the morning sports desk for Wednesday, July 19th.